Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm here today with Alessandra Salpi and Danielle Head. Alessandra is a graduate of uh, Maryland Institute College of Art and Indiana University, and this fall is beginning her seventh year of teaching drawing and painting at her new job at Winona State University. Danielle Head received her BA in Film, Photography, and Video from Hampshire College in 2007, and her MFA in Photography from Indiana University in 2011. She is currently Assistant Professor of Photography at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas. Her teaching focuses on bridging together analog and digital media in the photography classroom and emphasizes photography as a conceptual and fine art medium. Today they're going to be discussing composition and structuring an image as discussed between photo and painting and drawing. So without further ado, I'm going to hand the conversation over. Well, thank you, Ellen, for having us, and we're excited to be here. Yes, thank you. So I guess what I'll start talking about is um, when I start to talk about composition for my classes, I usually start off with like a 100 level, like a drawing one type of class. and kind of the way that I, I like to do it is basically start off with um, a PowerPoint presentation, a nice long two-hour PowerPoint, which, you know, students love. Um, and then I kind of supplement that with some handouts, and then we talk about, you know, we go through kind of a little bit of elements of design and, you know, things like that. Um, but a lot of it is just talking about how we see images and how we deconstruct images. And then I give them bad compositional ideas, good compositional ideas, things like that. Um, so let me kind of talk a little bit more about how you know, I kind of approach it. Um, so because I'm talking to usually, you know, students who are in drawing one, um, I'm going to assume everybody's kind of starting with a similar kind of idea. Like they might have heard a little bit about composition in the past. Um, you know, maybe in high school, they, they maybe heard like, hey, don't put things in the center of your picture, things like that. Um, but I, I want to take it a little bit further and kind of tell them, you know, like why they're, why they're structuring images inside of this rectangle basically and you know they're going to be doing this for the next four years potentially plus so you know it's a kind of a good idea to get them going pretty soon on it mm. um so what i do is um i start off with just a really kind of like a nice long powerpoint like i said with lots of slides um we start off like a really kind of simple you know like here's a dot in a picture plane you know like where do your eyes go well here's two dots what what happens you know well, here's three dots what, what's going on and the three dots you know if they're getting progressively maybe smaller higher up in the picture plane lower suddenly then introduces things like foreground middle ground background and kind of depth and all that kind of stuff um and then we kind of move on a little bit to talking about you know it's like well how is our eye being you know um moved around the composition with different elements, you know, like what about diagonals, what about negative space, all that kind of stuff. Like I said, we kind of talk a little bit about the elements of design, um, you know, with like a little bit of perspective, maybe some balance and value and stuff like that. Um, but mostly, the nice thing is a lot of these students have had 2D, and so they kind of know these, these terms already. Um, I don't really harp on the terms too much because I like to... Um, I like to talk about kind of how we just react to an image. And I'd say like one of my favorite, you know, like references for this is um, Molly Bang has a book called Picture This, which is this really awesome book, which is all about kind of like, all right, if we put this image here, what happens? And what if we move this around? And, you know, how do we kind of get the emotion behind the image more than just trying to memorize a bunch of terms? But like, how do we actually naturally react to something? How does, how does our mind actually work with it? Um, 
anyway, so we talk about, you know, kind of simple things like that. And then um, I, we kind of move on a little bit and I give them a handout that has um, some really cheesy kind of pictures that I've made, you know, just kind of like blobs basically. Um, and I say, okay, here's a bunch of bad compositional ideas in my, my pictures of blobs, <laughs> you know, like, all right, so what's, what's kind of wrong with this picture? You know, like, oh, this object's cropped in half or this one's fused with the edge and things like that. Um, so we kind of talk about like just the visual visualization of things that don't really work well within, you know, a picture plane. Um, and then once we've kind of talked about that, uh, we, we start to deconstruct some kind of simple, you know, drawings. So, you know, find some drawings, talk about like, okay, well, here's a drawing of a couple of objects and is this a good composition or bad composition? And, and kind of talk about why, you know, like, oh, hey, maybe there's, these things are just floating in space, right? Or, or maybe there's just this really weird, awkward kind of spacing between an object and... Something I'd be curious to hear about, because I think this is where, coming at it from photography, this is where it um, diverges, because I think there's a lot of overlap, is uh, when you actually start and you have students sitting down and they have that blank canvas in front of them, mm -hmm. um, you know, how do you start to approach um, that aspect? When they're starting out with sort of nothing, and they're having to interpret something that's in front of them that they have to interpret from a three-dimensional space onto a two-dimensional plane. Because I would say, um, and you know, I'll, come, I'll come back to this, but I would say what's interesting is in uh, photography, you know, we're starting out with a completely full canvas. You're going out, you know, you're photographing um, in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's all about elimination but you kind of mentioned like you know finding like the like like the dots adding the dots to the the image to compose it and sort of decide so I'm kind of curious from from that standpoint I'm coming at it from you know we have everything and it's about what do you get rid of and you're starting with the blank canvas and talking to students about how they're going to fill that right well I think that that, that actually kind of talks a little bit about you know what Danielle and I we talked about before which um is basically like you kind of get to lie in drawing and painting and things like that. You kind of get to make things up a little bit, you know. So if there's an object that's a little out of place, like go move the object. Or if there's 17 other students who are drawing that and you can't move it, well, maybe you kind of like fudge it a little and you move it down if it works better. But um, but basically, you know, like if we were talking about a freshman level class, which is what I've been talking about, um, you know, I'd start off with them making little viewfinders. I usually just um kind of rip that back page of Davy board off the back of an 18 by 24 pad and cut that up and make them make little viewfinders, little like L-shaped kind of things to kind of look through. Um, and then they do little thumbnail sketches. And that's, I mean, that's nothing new. That's what, you know, basically kind of is, uh, you know, the gold standard essentially is for looking for composition is look through something, right? Like look through a viewfinder, which is essentially just making this giant world smaller, which is not that different than, you know, looking through a camera lens, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, but then they would go ahead and like draw these out in little sketches, um, and if they say, ah, you know what, like this bottle that I'm drawing, you know, it's really close to the edge. Now I can actually visualize it and see it rather than just holding up this piece of cardboard out into you know the ether, um, kind of squinting in it and trying to figure out what's going on in between it. Um, so that way they have something that they're looking at that's two dimensional. You know, it's a it's a flat surface rather than them trying to figure out like all the spatial differences in a three-dimensional kind of, you know, territory basically. Yeah. So I think um, from, um, maybe I'll talk a little bit composition um, 
in in uh, photography and to kind of give it some context because obviously now um, you know we have uh, digital manipulation and things where you really are composing um, a photographic canvas um, in a way that's perhaps closer to painting and drawing in that you are starting with elements and thinking about how you add them uh, to the frame but uh, for the context of this conversation to make an equivalent for a drawing one class um, I'm coming at this from the perspective of darkroom photography um, which for me is the first class that um, students are working with photographs with cameras um, and I think that would kind of be the photo equivalent of a of a drawing one. They're kind of learning all the all the tech and starting to use that tech to uh, you know um, um, communicate their ideas and um, you know start generating uh, work. Um, but I think for me, whenever I think of um, painting in regard to uh, photography, it is always this idea that when you're out photographing. Um, perhaps even when you're photographing in a studio, that it is all about that idea of how you like eliminate um, distracting elements to the frame. So it's very, has less to do about how you add elements because you may just encounter things and you really have to think about um, what you need to take away or how you need to photograph something to, to make things that you can't move, that you know you can't move down, um, not be distracting elements in the frame. And I feel like that's one of the sort of main differences. Because, of course, um, you know, students always have the experience where they're out, you know, they photograph something, um, you know, it looked great at the time, you know, they're paying attention to the subject matter or the content that, you know, they're looking at. And then, you know, you have the, you know, like the classic photo bomb. You know, there's a cat popping out of the corner. Or there's someone making a stupid face in the background. Um, and that's something, you know, that uh, uh, can't be controlled. You kind of, the, your opportunity for revising that or doing revisions or doing thumbnail sketches um, doesn't exist in the same way as painting and drawing. Um, so you kind of have to compose twice and you kind of have to, you know, almost if you had an amazing photograph um, and then you have like um, an image where it looks like a branch is like stabbing someone through the, the head because you didn't shoot with a shallow enough depth of field, rather than, you know, printing that and saying, well, you know, I'll revise it when I get to the dark room, you kind of say, well, I can't use this picture. So you might have a great image and you have to throw it, you, you have to throw it out because of something that is like really horrible um, compositionally. Whereas, you know, you can kind of uh, move things around and kind of make revisions. And photography doesn't necessarily allow for that in the, in the same way. It's well, kind of like you made this mistake and now next time when you go and photograph, right. <laughs> you know, what tools can you use um, either technical or, you know, when you bring it to the darkroom and you're doing the printing to try to avoid these poor compositional choices. Well, maybe in like, you know, in, in drawing terms then, you know, in photo terms, it's like measure twice, cut once, right? Like mm -hmm. that's your one opportunity. Uh, maybe in drawing, measure twice, cut once, and then kind of grab a little bit of like wood filler because you might have messed it up a bit. And then you can kind of fudge it a little mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you want to be as exacting maybe as you can um right away um but you know there there is a little bit room of you know for error basically because essentially you know in a drawing you want it to look like a good drawing at the end if a bottle is an inch shorter than it really is in reality but it works better for the picture well then really is anybody going to tell that that bottle is an inch shorter than it should be you know it's about the finished product not about the actual still life and the object that you're drawing itself um but but what I like about the ideas of, um, you know, of using things like viewfinders and kind of doing those little thumbnail sketches is that 
you know, you, you kind of really can um, try to visualize things as much as you can, but you're not kind of stuck with it, if that makes sense. Like you try to get as good as you can get inside of a thumbnail sketch. But essentially, once you start to do a little bit of site measuring, you kind of figure out exactly where it is. Um, there are little quirks that happen, you know, and you're not just kind of like slavishly reproducing this tiny little thumbnail sketch that you've done. You, you kind of discover new things. Um, you discover little errors or happy accidents or whatever, you know, kind of happens. So it, it ends up not being, you know, quite as cut and dry as like, well, the life of this drawing is absolutely going to be determined in the first five minutes of it, period, because it can, can evolve into something else a little bit more exciting or, um, or worse. I mean, who knows? But... <laughs> You know, you said you felt like maybe in like photography, things are more sort of like uh, locked in and, you know, you're capturing something where, you know, it's uh, representational. Um, and so that kind of like adds limitations. But I think that's one of the things, you know, when I think about composition and photography, that's really sort of fascinating and interesting and actually is like a place where there can be quite a bit of uh, variety and sort of, um, you know, call and response between, you know, how you're photographing something and, you know, how that's being reproduced. And this idea of the, the happy accident really being sort of like the, like the, you know, the thing that happens all the time in photography. Because when you're, so, so you can correct me too if I'm, you know, miss, uh, uh, if, I, if I'm uh, wrong on this, but one of the things, you know, when I think about drawing is, you know, when you start out initially, um, a lot of the skills that you're trying to get students to be able to get is, you know, that they're citing correctly, um, you know, that they're being more representational in their drawing than they might be later on when they start to sort of break down and get looser um, with like the physical forms. Whereas in photography, you know, you start out and I mean, it's almost like trying to find ways to make the photograph less representational because, you know, as a, a you know, mechanical medium, you know, it's easy to take a photograph of a still life and have it look exactly like the still life looked. But it's not going to be a very interesting photograph. Um, you know, and it may be um, technically uh, composed well, but, you know, as, as, a, as an image, it's not going to be compelling as um, something else where you take into account um, other elements. You're trying to find an unusual angle or way to, you know, photograph the scene. So it's kind of like trying to find in photography, like, okay, a good composition, but how do I make this a little bit weirder to add sort of interest and actually have someone want to, you know, look at it as, a, as an interesting composition rather than just as a good composition? Right. Well, I think that you, you make a good point because um, when I'm talking about like a drawing one type of composition, you know, like this is a very like this is one toe in the water, right? Like, this is like this is the very beginning of talking about composition. Um, and like, would you talk to intermediate students or advanced students the same way? You know, would you really start them off with like dots? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but you would be saying, you know, like this is, this is a skill that you're building up. And so like the skill set of drawing and citing and figuring out what happens in between these, you know, like these, this box around the image, right? Mm -hmm. Like essentially that's kind of like, um, that that's learning your tool that's learning your camera that's like it's equivalent in a way mm -hmm. so it's like you're talking about content danielle like much quicker i think and much earlier oh, yeah. in the process and how content and you know like how the content is um you know dependent a lot of the times on the composition and yeah. and i think that's an important part and i definitely make sure that 
but I talk about that kind of thing too. So like one of my favorite examples is, you know, Andrew Wyatt's Christina's world, mm -hmm. right? Because like the whole entirety of that composition is what gives you the feeling that you get from that painting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about all the negative space. It's about having, you know, that distance between her and the house and the fact that the house is really, really high. I, um, you know, like on the picture plane, far away, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like you, you want to talk about how it's not just about this objective thing, right? Um, or I'm sorry, it's not just about the subjective thing. It's not just about like, okay, well, you better make this look just like it looks like. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what does it mean, essentially? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something that, you know, we get more into once they kind of master those steps. But, yeah. but this whole two-hour thing that I gave my students, this is essentially like, you know, the very beginning point of where they're going to go with this. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, in photography, I mean, it's really about, like, how do you organize organize chaos? Because I think you can get into um, sort of, like, the content or concept of the image, like, way earlier. And, you yeah, because, you know, you're not worried about how... Uh, to render something it's going to if you if you uh, understand how to use your camera and you know the technical skills are there you will render that object basically how it looks um, and so so talking about um, other aspects of composition like foreground background relationships as far as content goes is absolutely something that can get accessed earlier and other other um, aspects about like object placement and all of these things really are talking about how you take something that is a you know, chaotic environment, and you eliminate and sort of compose things in a way to draw focus to where you as the photographer is trying to lead someone's eye so that they can get the um, sort of like narrative or content of of the image. Because, you know, I think of examples like um, um, like Walker Evans. He has this photograph where he was photographing this like um, steel mill town where in the foreground of the frame, he's got this cemetery, so basically where everyone's been working and they're kind of, you know, buried. And in the back, um, we have the uh, uh, the factories in this town where all of these people have have worked. So, like, you know, this this contrast between these two picture planes, uh, where you have, you know, your foreground and the background, it's always about this kind of like intertextual uh, relationship between the two. Um, and I think that happens way more earlier on in, in photography, these kind of dialogues between um, elements rather than just sort of their, their placement. Because a lot of the times um, the way that you would talk about a photograph immediately gets into um, content before you might even talk about um, the composition of an image. And it's oftentimes um, when you talk about composition, because you've taken the photograph already, um, in critique, for example, you know, we talk about corrections. Next time you're out photographing, you might approach it this way. You know, if you were to, in the dark room, you kind of have a second chance to compose an image, you know, if you crop this differently, you know, how is this going to change how we might um, read the image? Um, so I think, uh, I think that's one aspect that I think is really interesting, is that ultimately, you know, we kind of get to a similar end goal in talking about both the sort of like technical um, and starting to get into a little bit more of the uh, thought press uh, thought process of making images, but it's like we're starting on two different ends. <laughs> like I'm, I'm on the back end, like we've got all the stuff, and you're kind of on the front end where you're starting off with with nothing and 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 bringing those elements in. Well, it's also um, it's kind of that same idea where you know you're you're basically teaching your students how to be very quick on their feet, right? how to be able to understand something, you know, like in a millisecond and, and kind of like, they might not have that chance again, like you said. 
Right. Yeah. You have to like, you have to, you have to react. Right. Exactly. And, and there is maybe, of course, you know, this element of kind of reaction to a boring still life, right? Made out of bottles and skulls and all sorts of great things. Right. Um, but there's this sense of take it slow, you know, like do it more than once. Your first idea isn't always your best. You know, there's this very kind of laborious kind of process that goes into, you know, kind of becoming more comfortable mm-hmm. with, um, with painting and drawing. But the other kind of thing that I like to show with that, right, is that even if we're talking about composing an image, um, you know, it's a very, um, usually it's a very slow process, even if the image is a quick image, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. or if there's a lot of implied action or a lot of like dynamic kind of lines happening and you're, you're kind of bouncing all over the place. Um, and so, you know, like some of my favorite examples are, um, I, I like to talk about Edgar Degas, um, as having like a very dynamic kind of composition, um, you know, one of this, these, this, one of these quotes I heard from him years ago, and I'm totally about to slaughter, um, is basically like, you might think that I have these really quick kind of off the cuff compositions, but he says like, you know, you'll never find anybody who works more, um, you know, like more and more hard, hard harder. There we go. <laughs> you know, at making my compositions than I am, um, which is basically true. You know, it's, he when you start to dissect his images, right? You're you're really meant to kind of move around the whole picture you know like you look at one object and there's always something to kind of hint you as to where to look next it's you know like value or line or implied line or rhythm or all those kinds of elements we talk about right but it it does kind of lead you around the whole piece um and so because of that there's this sense of action that you get going on through it um whereas someone else maybe like um hopper Right, like uses that rule of thirds, which is you know a big and like and and uh, you know I would say looking at a a, a Hopper painting, I mean they're very photographic, uh, yeah. not not necessarily in their um, obviously in their in their uh, uh, style, but in their composition, like those are photographic compositions. When you yeah, those are, those are totally rule of thirds composition, but they're also really quiet mm-hmm. and they have that geometry to them, and they just have you know if you just take away even the subject matter of the fact that they're quiet, you know they just don't have that same kind of um, you know bouncing around inside of that picture plane that something like a dynamic composition has. Yeah, there's a lot of times when in photography when it's like you've got uh, you've got to think about ways to quiet the composition down because if there's too many elements or if there's um, you know bad contrast between um, uh, light and shadow, it makes it confusing and difficult to 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 look at. Um, you know, so so yeah, I so I think it comes down to uh, you know, how do you find clarity um, and, and uh, make, make a photograph able to be interpreted by a viewer and not just feel like they're kind of got, you know, like static uh, looking at them? Because I think uh, that, that aspect of trying to make something where it's intentional and it allows a viewer to kind of like traverse through that space um, I think it's the same same goal for for painting, uh, drawing, and uh, and photography. Is you know how do you how do you give your viewers sort of a point to navigate through the the piece that you're that you're uh, composing. Right. Yeah. So I had a I had a kind of a silly thing that I teach Danielle. Okay. <laughs> which I've talked to you before about, uh, which is my banana. Um, which is, you know, forever haunts me and my students. Haunted I bananas. <laughs> they love it. Those haunted bananas. But uh, <laughs> I show a still life in this PowerPoint that I give them. 
Um, and this is a really wonderful drawing and it does a lot of this kind of dynamic composition, which I'm talking about where one thing kind of leads your eye to the next element and, you know, you really move around the whole piece. And, um, so I asked them, okay guys, well, what do you look at first? What's the focal point? Okay. Well, where does your eye go? You know, and you kind of take a little ants path in a way, like you just want to take a really slow little path from one object to the next and then from the next to the next. And like, what's the hint, you know, like between these objects, why would you look from over here to over here? Right. So it's that, that slow thing you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But, um, but eventually in this still life that I show them, I get to this banana and it's like tucked in the corner of the picture plane. And I go like, everybody take note, this banana. Right. And they're like, all right, Ellie, we see this banana. And it's like, okay, well know this term. Cause it's going to be like a sulpyism from here on in. I'm going to use the term banana for when something is leading your eye out of the corner of a picture plane. Um, and so, you know, like students go, ha ha banana. And then I ask them, throughout the semester like hey guys what's this doing they're like banana um no I'm, I'm honestly not teaching third grade I promise but <laughs> but uh I do love stupid things like that little things that are kind of reminds them you know of what they're looking at um so I, I kind of use those kinds of things sometimes too just to kind of imprint it in their mind and another kind of uh good creepy moment I like to do is when I talk about objects being really close together um I'll get really really close to a student like uncomfortably close and I'll be like hey Madison um and they'll be like wow this is totally creepy yeah like go away you know and I'm like yeah I'm really close just like these two objects those are too close they're really weird let's move them apart um so you know kind of just getting these ideas across through you know hopefully not as completely dry as I'm making it sound like it is um but also you know just kind of something that will stick in their minds you know if you if you were to ask a student who was maybe like a sophomore, okay, you know, give me a list of those elements of design, right? And they'd probably go like, oh, shoot, I learned those things. What are they? Oh, like value in there somewhere? You know, like, it's just such a dry kind of thing. I think it's a lot more interesting to talk about it um, on like a reactionary level, right? And then remember something about it. And then, you know, kind of like say, okay, I remember this image rather than I remember this definition of this word, which kind of may or may not resonate with them you know, at a future point. Something that I think would be interesting to talk about that I think about, and it, and it happens um, a lot in photography, is, you know, when you have an image that gets created, that's a total, you know, it's a total accident, and it kind of breaks all the rules that one would typically think about for, you know, a good photographic composition. You know, it's maybe got lots of, uh, lots of, like, conflicting angles. Maybe the focus is in an odd place, you know, it capture, it's, you know, it's blurry, it's out of focus. Um, you know, I think about the contrast of when we look at photographs by someone like Robert Frank, who's shooting in a very kind of like loose jazz-like style, where, you know, he will have an element in the foreground of the, in the foreground of the frame, where, you know, it's blurry, where typically, um, you know, it would be sharp, and the focus is on the background, which is a very unusual composition, which you wouldn't tell students when they're going out to photograph that this is what you should achieve for. But you look at those images and they really work. They've got sort of like an energy um, and an interest to them um, that breaks conventional rules. And, you know, in contrast to that, where you look at someone like, um, like another example, he's like a, a Louis Baltz, who's, you know, going out photographing very kind of like rigid geometric structures. Um, you know, sides of buildings, lots of uh, linearity um, in, in, his, in his images um, that fit much more in line with being able to look at it and understand 
that this is a solid composition that's, you know, very, very grounded. Um, whereas, you know, on the other side, you know, you look at those Frank images and trying to communicate to students why they still work when they break all the rules. Um, I'd be curious to know on, on your side, you know, when, when the rules are being like broken, but it's successful, you know, how do you, how do you interpret that? How do you like discuss that with your, with your students? Well, isn't that the great thing? Like you go and you talk about all these rules of composition. Right. And you're like, okay, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. But and never you And just can, which, you know, is cool. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, you know, like you kind of want to like um, learn the rules before you break them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like if somebody has an image cut in half and, you know, it's it looks bad, right? Because they don't know not to. Mm -hmm. That's a different story than cutting something in half or having something really close together or all those kinds of things because those are used for purpose. So it's like, that's that perfect example is when, you know, you relook at like Christina's world, the house that's on the upper right-hand corner, it's really, really close, um, you know, to that top of that picture plane. Mm. Um, and so it's like, is that something I would tell them to do? No, but then I go, hey guys, it works. So like all this stuff I'm telling you, like keep it in mind so that you kind of know like what can work, what can work, but ultimately it comes down to, does the image work? You know, and you have to kind of question that yourself. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny. It's funny too. Just I think when I think about the uh, uh, history of the two mediums together, because um, we had um, spoken a time before about you know like the use of a camera obscura um, for for uh, uh, painting, um, mm -hmm. and obviously the camera as we know it is basically a camera obscura with a light sensitive plane that's able to fix and capture capture the image. But that's kind of a commonality that I think exists. But I you know, I've always thinking about how interesting it is that, you know, the the two mediums tend to um, you know, borrow from each other in some ways. Like in the nineteenth century, you look at like the pictorialists and they're taking photographs, you know, that are sharp, clear, but they're trying to completely like deconstruct those and make them more drawing like or more painting like in the way that they're treating them in the in the darkroom. And then you look at painting and you know, there's images like um um that uh, 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 what's what's the Degas uh, painting where it's kind of got the man halfway out of the uh, out of the uh, oh, it's, uh, oh something and his daughters um. yeah yeah so so there's pieces like that or that or that image where you have the the woman's feet and the dog walking uh, the the painting and oh. um, and you know you have that move a little tiny dachshund feet yeah yeah and that's something that you know is very strongly influenced by what a photograph looks like and you know painters are taking those things in yeah you know, right. and, and photography in some way uh particularly early on is trying to replicate some of the qualities and like aspects that you would see in painting and drawing but one of the things that i think is really interesting is uh that the the when you have a you know a photograph that tries to look like a you know a painting it tends to be less successful and then when a painting tries to be too photographic like you know um um some, some more of the the boring like you know photorealistic paintings it's right. kind of interesting that you know it's uh not necessarily i don't know what i'm trying to say um well, i think it's also a little bit of our own bias you know we talked right, about right right photorealism it's like well why are you trying to replicate a photo you right, know which, right exactly like yeah like photorealism like you know why why make it look photographic or in in photography you know why make it look like a painting rather than kind of embracing the unique aspects of that medium and exploiting them you know right or, right like or, realism or surrealism are kind of very different things but then right. to replicate a different medium is can be iffy you know sometimes it works can be iffy 
Cool. I'm going to interject and okay. <laughs> say thank you. This was a super interesting conversation about that cross-disciplinary analysis of the nuts and bolts of composition. I think there's a lot of listeners who are going to geek out on that. So thank <laughs> like, you both. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs>